Hello, and welcome to the Evolution Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. I've got a lot of exciting things to talk about today. It is right in the middle of draft weekend, so I'm going to kick it right over to Dave so he can introduce our, uh, our guest speaker today. Yeah, so we're thrilled to have Bob Cowper on. Um, I've worked with him at RSO for a couple of years. He's our draft guru over there, um, really in-depth on you know all these players, all the skill position guys. So, uh, Bob, welcome on. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Yeah, guys, good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Tell the folks a little bit about what you've been doing the past couple of years. All right. So I am RSO's resident rookie ranker. Uh, so as a college football fan, first and foremost, uh, college football was my first love. And uh, it's still my first choice. If I'm going to watch one football game a weekend, it's going to be college. Uh, so it's really a role that I relish. Uh, my process starts about a year before the draft. In fact, I'm already starting to watch 2020 guys. Uh, so from May to August, I write season preview articles for RSO that go up on the site. Uh, and then I transition in September to season preview, um, sorry, weekly preview uh, and update articles. Uh, it's a great way to keep fresh content churning on the website. And it's also a great way for me to inform my ranking. So at the end of the season, I have a, a broad base of players that I've watched and studied. Uh, so that way I'm not going into these rankings blind. So uh, it's a, a year-long process, and I'm kind of at the culmination of that uh, this weekend with the NFL draft finishing up. Uh, so it's fun to see where I went wrong, where I went right, uh, what can I learn for next year. Uh, it's, it's a really fun process uh, to go through. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, you know, from my perspective, it's so valuable for a fantasy perspective to have that information a year in advance. I think people even outside of the fantasy industry would find it valuable just to get, you know, these names on your radar way ahead of time. And one guy you were higher on than most, and you kind of saw some of this coming, was Daniel Jones. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you saw in Daniel Jones last year? I think you mentioned that he might be a first-round pick in 2019, and that definitely came to fruition with the Giants taking him at six. Yeah, so uh, Daniel Jones was somebody I first uh, spot spotlit, <laughs> spotlighted, whatever that uh, past tense is there, uh, in December of 2017. So I was writing about Daniel Jones for uh, bowl game previews that uh, that winter, and he just stuck out his prototypical size. You know, his stats weren't great. He's not, you know, still not a very accurate passer. Uh, but there aren't too many guys who are built like him with his athletic profile. Uh, so uh, I told my RSO readers to keep an eye on him. I followed my own advice. Uh, and when I did my ACC preview in August of 2018, uh, I wrote down that, you know, he's on my short list for my QB1 spot. And when I did the first season update in week two of 2018, uh, that, that's where I first really started to write down that he could be a first-round selection. Uh, and then by the time we got to April, you know, fast forward uh, through the season and into the draft process, uh, just uh, about a month or so ago in one of my articles, I wrote down uh, that Jones was going to be the player that is drafted higher than everybody's expecting. And at that point, I had said I thought he was going to be a top 12 pick. So it was even higher than that. Uh, and that was before uh, all the murmurs started about the Giants loving him at number six. Uh, I know they're getting blasted for it, but I, I don't know. If, if he's the guy you've identified as your top quarterback, I think you got to get him. And we, we'd be killing the Giants if they didn't get one of the two quarterbacks, Haskins or Jones, at 17. So I, I think it was a, a good pick for him. Whether or not it was a valuable pick, you know, from a standpoint of draft capital and, and all that. But you get your quarterback, nobody's going to question it years from now what pick you spent on him. So I think it was a good pick. I, I've been a fan of Jones uh, kind of throughout the entire process. Yeah, very good. Um, how does he compare to some other quarterback prospects for you in terms of like a fantasy perspective? I'd assume Kyler Murray is probably the clear leader there, but 
compared to maybe like Haskins or Locke? How do you see him fitting in? Yeah, I think without a doubt, Kyler's got to be your your QB one for uh, for rookie purposes. Uh, I I think you'd probably have to put Haskins above Jones because Haskins is probably more likely to start as a rookie. Uh, I think the Giants have been pretty clear in the last couple of seasons uh, that they love Eli, even though the rest of us and as fantasy football, football players are kind of hoping they'll move off him and, and get the young blood in there. But uh, I, I think Jones would probably be my QB three for now. I think he'd still have to be behind Haskins just because of the opportunity uh, that Haskins has. So from an RSO perspective, for, guy, for people out there that don't play it, usually you sign your rookies to, a, say, a four-year deal with possibly a fifth-year option. From a – let's take a four-year lookout because you talk, you know, with Eli probably still going to start this year. They were talking next year against the Giants, so who really knows. At the end of, the, say, the four years, where do you, where do you rank your QBs? Yeah, Drew, that's a good point with the, the RSO contracts because that, that is what really factors into my ranking of them, like I was saying, with the opportunity. Uh, I think – by the end of year four, we're probably looking at Haskins and Murray who, who've had more chance to play and more chance to start. They've got more film uh, that we can look at. So I, I think even if you're looking four years down the line, I think you'd still have to put Murray and Haskins above Jones. Um, just from a standpoint of we might have only seen Jones for two seasons by then where we've seen the other guys for, for three and a half or four. So uh, I think I would still keep the rankings the same, even if you're looking four years down the line. Uh, but that fifth year option that you mentioned is, is always a good thing in RSO drafts. If you, if you like one of the quarterbacks, you know, maybe grab them at, you know, the last pick of the first round. So that way you do have that fifth year option and, and can kind of keep them on a, a relatively cheap contract if one of them does uh, blow up and, and, and does hit it big. Uh, so that's just one of the beautiful things about the strategy of RSO. And for those who haven't played reality sports online, it really is like dynasty um, football with more of a real life lens on it. So instead of the dynasty leagues where you keep players, you know, for eternity with RSO, you're signing them the contracts or signing them the rookie deals after drafting them. Um, so it does put more of a short-term focus on there as well as the long-term lens as well. I know one guy I was really excited about drafting in my super flex leagues was Will Greer. And now I think in RSL, he's almost undraftable given that he's behind Cam Newton for a couple of years, at least. Um, I guess jumping into the tight ends, there's a big debate, I guess, um, between the two Iowa tight ends, Hawkinson and Fant. Um, both went really high in the first round. Hawkinson, eight to the Lions. Uh, I think Fant went 14 to Denver. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on the two of them? Yeah, so Fanton Hawkinson's a, a great debate. It was before the draft, and now uh, we've got even more fodder for the debate. Uh, I think it's a good conversation regarding landing spot vor versus draft capital. Uh, so Hawkinson obviously was a little bit of a higher pick. So I think the knee-jerk reaction by uh, some fantasy football players would be to put Hawkinson as their tight end one uh, as far as rookie drafts go. I I'm not so sure. I still have Fant as my uh, tight end one. Uh, obviously, still very early. We've got a lot of training camp and preseason games and all that. Uh, to go through. But if my league was drafting today, Fant would be my tight end one. He's just an absolute athletic freak. Uh, he was 90th percentile or higher uh, in the 40, the vert, the broad, three cone. Uh, not to say Hawkinson's not a good athlete. He is too. He was in like the 75 and 80th percentile in a lot of those categories. But uh, Fant is just a little bit different. He's, you know, more of a probably a slot receiver more so than a tight end. He's not a great blocker. He's willing and energetic, but I don't know if I would trust him if if, uh, if I was his quarterback, but uh, Joe Flacco loves tight ends too. Um, 
I, I looked up a quick stat before we got on the air. Uh, in 2017, which was Flacco's last full season as the quarterback for the Ravens, uh, he threw 104 passes to tight ends, or I should say the receptions uh, to tight ends. Uh, Stafford in 2017, uh, you know, that's Hawkinson's quarterback now, uh, was just 73. So it was more than 30 more to tight ends from Flacco. Uh, and Stafford's best tight end on, in that season, Ebron, left. And we know last year he went on to great success with Indy and Andrew Luck. So uh, if I'm looking at the two and kind of all else being equal, uh, I'm taking Fant, even though he was drafted later. Uh, I just think he's got a better chance to succeed for us as a rookie option uh, in 2019. Where would he fit into your – where would they fit into your first round? I know tight ends usually aren't thought of as early first round picks, but this class doesn't have a lot of clear difference makers early on. Would Fant be around like the 1.6 range roughly, or what do you think? Yeah, probably in that, yeah, one, I would say 1.6 to maybe 1.8 or so. Uh, honestly, I had a couple receivers pretty high in my uh, wide receiver rankings, and that's kind of been derailed a little bit, guys like Harmon and Butler. So I think we will have to slide at least Fant and maybe even Hawkinson uh, a little bit higher, you know, may, maybe fans like 1-7, Hawkinson's maybe 110, 1-12, depending on how many teams you play in your uh, in your league. If you have Superflex, obviously that throws things off a little bit with the quarterbacks. But, yeah, I think Fant is definitely a first-rounder now. Hawkinson's probably borderline, depending on your league size and stats. And then jumping over to the receivers, we, you hit on this a little bit, the the rankings really did vary person to person this year. Some people loved Akeem Butler the most. Some loved DJ Metcalf the most, um, AJ Brown, all over the place. And we saw that kind of play out in the draft where at the end of the first round, Nikhil Harry went to the Patriots and some guys like Harmon and Butler still haven't been drafted. What are your thoughts on kind of the variance that we're seeing there amongst opinions in the NFL? Yeah, honestly, a couple of those wide receiver picks, they, they, really surprised me. Uh, you know, I don't want to say that I'm smarter than an NFL GM or scout because obviously I'm not. Uh, but I, I was really scratching my head on guys like Michael Hardman. Uh, he actually was the fifth receiver off the board. I, I get it. He's a, you know, a role going to fill a specific role now that uh, we're all assuming Tyree Kill is going to be gone. Uh, Deontay Johnson was the 10th receiver off the board. I, he was my 30th ranked receiver heading into uh, the draft. So, you know, not to say he's nobody but 10th i mean that's that, that that's pretty high uh seven out of ten of my top 10 receivers were drafted so far in the first three rounds uh last year i hit a little bit better on that i was eight of ten last year uh, but just the order even if we're not talking about specific guys missing like Harmon and butler the order is kind of screwy too marquise brown went first uh debo ended up jumping up to the third spot um yeah, it, like you said, uh, Dave, it was like perfect phrase. There's the variance of the wide receivers uh, from analyst to analyst and probably from team to team. I think that's what we're seeing is every team is valuing these guys uh, so differently that it's just kind of impossible to predict, and it's making ranking them now uh, it, it just it, it Herculean task because uh, for RSO purposes, we like to have the rookie draft room available starting on Sunday, so tomorrow morning, and – I have no idea what I'm going to do with these rookie <laughs> receivers right now. Um, I, I I cemented Harry as my number one. He was my number one heading into uh, the draft, and I think getting drafted by uh, the Patriots just you know how can you not love him catching passes from Tom Brady? Uh, but after that, it's it's really a toss up. I had Harmon Metcalf uh, after Harry. 
Harmon wasn't even drafted yet. Metcalf ended up falling. Uh, he was the ninth receiver off the board. So, I mean, he's got a good good spot with Seattle, catching passes from Russell Wilson. So he'll probably still stay in that, you know, top three or four pick mix. But um, I'm at a loss at the moment for what do we do with these receivers. So I'm hoping we get some clarity today. Maybe a couple of those guys still on the board uh, find some good homes, uh, and we can lock up these rankings without too much topsy turvy movement. So it seems like from a fantasy perspective, is if you like the guy in this year's draft, you need to go get your guy. It's going to be a lot real harder with so many variances in everybody's rankings to say, oh, I'm going to trade back a little bit because my guy should still be there. So I think from a strategy perspective this year, it's a lot of, hey, if, you're, if you really like that guy, you might as well draft him in the spot you got him or go get him. Yeah, it feels like teams haven't been just waiting and, and seeing who falls. Yeah, I think there were, I forget the number of trades there were in the third round, but uh, I remember them saying on the broadcast last night that it was a record setting number. So, yeah, Drew, you're right. Teams are definitely going up to get their guy rather than uh, waiting on him. So, we're coming up on day, day three here. Um, is there anything you're looking at in particular for day three? Any of your sleepers that you think we should keep an eye on coming up soon? Uh, yeah, sure. There are still a couple guys who I'm uh, banging the uh, you know the drum for. Uh, I've mentioned his name a couple times. Uh, Calvin Harmon, receiver from NC State. Uh, I watched him a couple times this season. I just I thought he was a, a nuanced route runner. Uh, he wins in the air. Uh, he's got good play strength, good body control. He didn't test well, um, which is probably the biggest reason he's falling down draft boards. But I wasn't liking him for his speed and his quickness and agility. You know, it was, it was more of what he does as a, an outside receiver. Uh, I think he could step in and, and still, even though he's not going to be drafted in the fourth rounder. So I think he has the potential to be a starter uh, early in his career as an outside receiver. So I'm still looking for him to come off the board. Uh, one of the running backs that I liked, uh, it's a name people be familiar with because he went to Ohio State, is Mike Weber. I thought he was just a good, well-rounded back. Uh, he ran surprisingly at the combine. He ran a four four seven which I really did not expect because he runs with more of a lower-the-shoulder uh, power-playing style. Uh, he's a pretty good pass blocker early in his career before he lost his starting job to J.K. Dobbins. Uh, he ended up just playing situationally and in mop-up roles the uh, last two years. So he didn't really get that chance to star as the three-down back, but I, I think he has that potential. And I do have a couple uh, real small school guys, if I can throw out there to you. Sure. Uh, it's it's looking likely these guys might not even get drafted. Maybe they're uh, priority uh, free agents. Uh, but guys that I saw that I liked, and I'd love to see them get an opportunity. Uh, one is uh, Donald Parham. He's a tight end from Stetson. He got a senior bowl invite, unfortunately. Uh, he got injured and didn't end up finishing the week. Uh, guy is 6'8". He runs like a baby giraffe. Uh, he's kind of <laughs> awkward with a huge stride. Uh, that's kind of damning with faint praise. I, I know he, he just... He doesn't really look like he should be an NFL player when you watch, you know, his movement, but he can make plays. Uh, he's an instant matchup nightmare uh, for linebackers and smaller DBs. Uh, some of the red zone catches he has uh, on uh, highlights are just crazy. He ended up with 13 tight uh, touchdowns last year, uh, led all tight ends in the FCS. Uh, and an even smaller school guy, uh, somebody named Marcus Jones, who's a running back uh, from D2, uh, went to school named Gannon in Ohio. Uh, insane stats, over 4,000 yards from scrimmage the last two years. Uh, I love watching his highlights. It's kind of like watching an eighth grader play against like a peewee football team. He's thick. Uh, he has pretty good agility for his size. 
Uh, he actually got an invitation to play at one of the postseason bowls, the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, uh, but they stuck him at fullback. He got one carry. I think he got three yards. Uh, I really hope between that and he did uh, like a local pro day uh, that apparently the Browns attended. Uh, I hope he gets a chance by somebody because I think once he gets on the field, he can probably find a role in special teams early. Uh, and, you know, maybe he gets a shot to, to get a couple carries in the preseason to show what he can do because uh, I really enjoyed watching him. He was a fun guy to study. That's great. This has been really, really informative, Bob. Really appreciate you coming on. Maybe we can make this an annual thing. Um, Drew, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think it's been quite an interesting first two days of the draft. Now I see you're into day three. Uh, like I said, Bob, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. I know this is quite busy time for you with trying to get everything done before RSO, watch the draft, and I'm sure you were being pulled in many directions. So we can't thank you enough for coming on. Of course. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. We still got uh, 40 minutes before uh, round four kicks off, so I can uh, get back to my rankings a little bit and uh, and, and keep praying that Kelvin Harmon goes at the, uh, the, the top of the fourth round. So I appreciate the time, guys. And uh, for all the listeners out there, uh, if you don't mind uh, checking me out on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is Robert F. Cowper. That's C-O-W-P-E-R. Uh, I'd love to have, uh, have you check me out, uh, see what I do. Um, you know, like I said, college football fan, uh, first and foremost. So if, if you are too, I think you'll find a lot of good stuff on my uh, Twitter timeline. Yeah, everyone should definitely check out Bob's work, especially not just draft time. Like he mentioned, he does stuff all off season, all during the college football season. It's a great way to get yourself prepared and actually have more, you know, more to watch on Saturdays too. So thanks again, Bob. We'll catch you guys next week.